You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here. I've got my third podcast with the third leadership team member over at Red Tea. So in the previous episode, we talked to Nathan Adams, the founder and just the wizard at putting deals and acquiring properties. Then we talked to Paul Cole, who is their chief investment officer, got into the nuances of how Red Tea develops the property and also their really cool incubator program for uh, growing developers. And now I have their new CEO or newish CEO, I should say, who's coming on here to help really grow and scale Red Tea. And I am so excited to sit down and talk with you, Vincent, because it was back in, I think, a quarter two last year. I was catching up with Nathan and he was telling me, you know, giving me the high level plans of how he was scaling Red Tea. He was stepping out to scale up and bring you on board. And I got to meet you. I got to hear the vision and the plan. And I was excited as an entrepreneur to kind of like learn how you and Nathan are growing the company, but also really excited about the plans for Red Tea because I also invest in some Red Tea deals. And when I see the growth, especially when I see the leadership team behind the company, it just gets me more excited because in the day, people are so important to the company. So Vincent, thank you for coming to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been excited for this. Yeah. So before we get into details of Red Tea, uh, give us a little bit about your your story because you have a successful track record of helping real estate companies scale up and also scale out to other markets. Uh, where would be a good starting point as far as like how you got into like really the business side and scale up of real estate companies? Yeah. So I um, I we could rewind back to the early days of when I sunk my teeth into buying real estate. And that was uh, at the courthouse steps. Um, I was in Riverside. I lived in Southern California uh, and uh, had graduated, was doing oil and gas. The market fell out, stumbled into real estate investing at the courthouse steps and uh, worked with uh, two who are still mentors of mine, uh, two great guys that were in San Diego. <clears throat> excuse me and uh we're buying homes in riverside county so those you know that was kind of the wild west of the single family uh sfr 1.0 uh, i think there was a couple hundred people scattered throughout the country buying buying homes on the steps was and, this after the the 08 crash yeah right it it was 08 okay oh so you or, were or 09 it was 09 okay so you're you're at the on the steps at the right time then yeah i mean you know, in hindsight, we yeah, we were passing on deals with 45% margin at the time, right? It was just, it was wild. And uh, um, it was kind of in true, you know, war room fashion, underwriting hundreds of homes a day, uh, buying some homes sight unseen. So I really had a holistic view of uh, all, all the way from, you know, construction. So I, I needed to understand construction costs at the time. We had showed up at the steps with cashier's checks uh underwriting real time you know it, it was it was it was wild um and uh it, it was a good place to start my career or start my real estate career uh, i've i've been involved in real estate for uh, decades prior to that from uh in, in other forms of uh, investing but that was yep. really like real time distress at its at, at its peak um uh and it was it, you know there's some uh 
it, it was a uh, it was a pretty dark time for our economy, right? I mean, it, it was you know seeing people lose their homes during that that crash uh, was it was tough. Uh, and and our company at that time, we we were on a mission to revitalize neighborhoods, and uh, there was a need for it. Um, so fast forward a year or two, and then Colony and Blackstone and larger institutions got in. Mm -hmm. uh, into the space, uh, buying these homes as rentals. So went from flipping them to, to doing rentals. And I was still working for a small family office at the time. Uh, and I got involved, uh, with a couple groups to, that were, they were servicing for, uh, the institutions, meaning they were doing all the acquisition work, property management and construction. Um, and so I, uh, I joined, uh, another company who was really tied into, uh, Beezer homes and, um, and, uh, invitation homes now. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, helped scale. That was my first kind of expansion out of California. So started opening up States throughout the country for, uh, these funds that were buying portfolios. Okay. Um, so that was kind of the early days. That was the 1.0. Of, of my experience in uh, residential real estate. And then where'd you go from there? Cause I know you've had just, I mean, you obviously had uh, just a very impressive like success story and track record. Yeah, so to keep it a, a bit truncated so we don't take up too much time there, I, I uh, moved it, so got into some development. So these funds were expanding outside of just single family rentals. So my experience, started diving deeper into fundraising, market expansion, setting up infrastructure, uh, which was inclusive of their the technology that they were leveraging at the time to the people they were hiring, boots on the ground. Um, so all the whole kind of stack uh, I would handle in market expansion. Um, and uh, in, in total, I think over the last 10, 10 or so years, uh, have deployed over $2 billion in, in residential real estate. Uh, and then also had, had helped fundraise for these companies and, and opened up 25 or so new states. Um, I moved to San Francisco in 2015. Um, so I uh, moved up there for a, a hotel developer who was also doing some residential real estate uh, and opened up his office in San Francisco. Uh, so I was in San Diego and moved up to San Francisco. Uh, it was an exciting time for my wife, my fiance at the time, and I to to move move up to a big city, up to the big city, uh, and um, <clears throat> when we got there, had promised myself I wouldn't uh, drink the venture Kool Aid, uh, and it was hard not to. Uh, a year in, I was guzzling it, uh, <laughs> it, it and uh, I started. I I I'd helped uh, the gentleman I moved up there with assemble um, an adaptive reuse project, so. We, uh, we bought the old San Francisco water building. Uh, it was a vacant office space and con the plan is to was to convert it into a, a 75 room uh, Marriott hotel. Uh, and so it uh, was, was really getting entrenched into the San Francisco uh, landscape of development, which as you know, is very complex, uh, very bureaucratic. It's tough to develop in the city. Um, so I, I had opened up a consulting firm to help other developers in San Francisco that was pretty successful. I, I, I was um, building a book of clients that were both in San Francisco, but also throughout the country, had a few foreign investors as well, um, helping them identify sites in San Francisco, bringing it through entitlements to development, the whole spectrum. 
uh, and back to the venture, uh, the, the venture route that I took, uh, two gentlemen that I really respected, uh, that were part of the early SFR 1.0 days. Uh, they actually were the founders of waypoint homes, um, which I classify waypoint as one of the pioneers in single family rental. Uh, they eventually uh, merged into Colony Starwood and now we're, are part of Invitation Homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Doug and Colin were the founders of that company and they started a, a prop tech company called Mind. Um, uh, one of the first early stage prop tech companies to try and scale property management, which that's a, a challenging endeavor. Uh, I, I put To put it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, one of the first 10 employees there. We were pre-series A, uh, and I led all of their growth efforts for four years. So we were buying other property management companies. Um, it was a bit of a pivot in my career because I, I was very accustomed to traditional real estate uh, on the owner-operator side. Um, it became really complementary to my skill set because I, I, uh, I was able to not only assess buying a business, which is different than buying real estate, uh, I uh, got the opportunity to work with um, some really bright individuals that are, you know, uh, engineers, product folks, and learned how to bring a concept to reality. So it's uh, a great experience. Yeah, it was. It, we so we scaled uh, to at that time we we hadn't raised the fund yet or hadn't raised our Series A. Fast forward four years, we raised 150 million dollars of venture capital. Bought 25 companies. Um, we ended up, I think we had 15,000 units under management. So it was quite the ride um, and uh, uh, great experience throughout. So um, that was my, um, uh, in 2020, decided to, to move my, my family to, to Denver um, and get out of the city. Uh, and at that time, I decided it was, it was time to, to move on from, from them. So uh, that was, what, four years ago now. All right. And then you came here and then you helped uh, a company, a lot of people, you know, they, they'll know their name expand quite a bit, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I joined, I joined Atlas, okay. Atlas Real Estate. Happy to share that. Uh, still very close with them. Um, still have ownership in the company and, and love the, love the team there. They were in uh, a very impressive business. Yeah. They're, uh, I, I knew the founders of Atlas from similar, this all kind of anchors back to the SFR 1.0 days because uh, the, the two founders of Atlas, they were buying homes at the courthouse steps here in Denver. So it was a very small world back then. Uh, Bumped doubles a few times yeah, back then. Yep. Yep. And, uh, just stayed in touch. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing I've really leaned into is forging deep, meaningful relationships and, uh, that they were, they were, uh, we've, we've known each other for a while. So when I was moving to Denver, um, at the time they were in two States, they were in Colorado and Arizona. Uh, similar, they had a property management division, but they were also, ser- they were a service provider for other institutions. They were doing acquisitions work, uh, as well as property management construction. They were a partner with Zillow here in Colorado, and they were looking to expand, um, expand their presence and also raise a fund at the time. So I joined in November, we went out to raise a fund to, uh, to be an owner operator, uh, and, and shut down our service related business, uh, for institutions cause they could just turn the lights on and off mm-hmm. and we wanted to own, own and operate real estate. So, uh, I was integral in, uh, uh, the fundraise there. So we raised, a uh, in total it was a billion dollar fund, um, that had closed in, uh, March of 2021. Um, and, 
uh, opened up six new states and that was through a combination of buying existing property management companies in those markets uh and uh and so we we ended up going into idaho utah kansas texas and then vegas so we opened up uh, uh new states uh deployed that full fund over the time that i was there so bought 2000 single family rentals in parallel to that expanded the third party management arm um, so we did uh, did quite a bit in three years, and uh, it was it was a, a great experience and a great ride with them. And then, I mean, that kind of brings us to relatively present day, which I mean, with that you know impressive track record, um, you know, very impressive. And then I want to talk about some like the Red T expansion plans because you know I, I talked to a lot of you know uh, people in real estate, you know, fellow entrepreneurs, and they talk about their goals for expansion and to grow. And as Nathan started sharing, like. The caliber the CEO is bringing on, you know, you Vincent, and the bigger plans are just like, holy smokes, man, that's a that's a very big bite out of the you know proverbial elephant. I was like, how you know how are you going to do this? I, I would love to know. And so you know, as you scale companies in the past and you're coming to Red Tea, I've got a, a big two part question for you. Like, you know, what's the roadmap? What's the plan there? And then how do you go about executing? Because like to me, that's so inspiring, but also intimidating. Uh, to just expand the company like this? Good questions. Um, when I met Nathan, so I was going to take some time off. I, I left Atlas in March um, and uh, I was going to take three months off and had a, a couple irons in the fire. Uh, I, I love building businesses and solving um, large scale problems. Um, so uh, uh, I had I, a few routes that I, I wanted to uh to pursue not none of which were joining red tea at the time uh, i heard of red tea uh, but i i didn't know much about um i didn't know nathan was looking for a ceo i didn't have any of that insight and so i got introduced to him um uh by a close friend of mine and initially i just wanted to learn about what their expansion plans were what where nathan's head was at and we we quickly I could quickly tell there was there was a spark between us um and uh, i was impressed by what he had built over the last 18 years and i think uh, more impressed with his humility on where his head was at because i've seen entrepreneurs of both facets those that don't have the humility of understanding what it's like to scale a business and where their sweet spot is and they stay in companies too long <laughs> And then those who realized, you know what, I am, this is my sweet spot and it's, it's time to bring someone else in. Right. And, uh, you see this across many business studies, those, the, the successful founders who realize, uh, where they want to, to thrive, um, build amazing businesses. And, uh, I saw that at Atlas actually. So a similar situation at Atlas where the founder brought on a new CEO and I was fortunate to observe their dynamic over the three three years at Atlas and how it worked in areas and some areas how it didn't work. And uh, that's a pretty unique uh, opportunity to to observe that. And I there's a lot of similarities there between what Nathan and I are now forging with our relationship. And uh, uh, there, so we spent about three months doing due diligence on each other. It was a two-way street and got to know each other really well and our families. And um, 
you know, I got to hear his vision for the company and, and, uh, it, it just, it seemed like a very good time and opportunity to join. And, and when I say scale the company, I, I think that, that was the big, when I joined the first day, uh, and I shared some slides with you the first day when I joined the team heard scale and people freak out because oh, scale, really? scale means different things to different people. Mm. Right? Scale, I think is often associated with explosive growth right? And explosions typically don't, explosions typically create chaos. Uh, and I think there is some truth to that with scale, but my, my, um, general philosophy and, and vision of scale is nailing what you have right now. And the company, uh, what Nathan had built over these last 18 years is, you know, he, he woke up one day and had 50 employees and a meaningful pipeline. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I, this isn't, my sweet spot. This isn't what I want to do going forward, but I have something pretty meaningful. And so there was quite, I, I saw some low hanging fruit on what we can do to position ourselves for scale. So that's where I think we're at is positioning still. Right. Uh, now I, I, in my eyes, we are scaling, uh, um, even within Colorado. Uh, but I, I think <clears throat> it was appealing to me to come on and, and help solve that problem. Second to that, we, we're, we're solving a very meaningful uh, societal problem, which is a housing shortage, which, uh, you know, you and I have talked about at length. Um, we're also building attainably priced housing. So those were draws to me to, to red tea. And, and I think the, the final straw for me was um, I like being innovative and on the cutting edge of industries done it in every single position I've been in. Um, I'm currently an advisor for a number of companies that are building really unique, uh, cutting edge technology and, and, uh, processes and systems that, uh, just excite me. Life is short. Right. And I like, uh, I like being on the cutting edge of uh, businesses and red tea is we've been a green builder in Colorado. Uh, and our mission is building a greener Colorado. Um, I think, that is a very broad statement. So we can have a whole nother podcast going into what that means because I, I, I want us, I want to further define who we are in the green build space. And we've had a lot of interest. I mean, from, you know, both on like some, some investors investing in deals, uh, with red tea and also just from like, you know, outreach from all the content we put out, like such a big interest in like the building green. So I would love to like, yeah, dive in that as like a whole topic because it's you know, interesting from like just, you know, hey, it, you know, uh, you know, the process itself, but also just the business behind it, because uh, I see it as like, you know, it's still in the earliest trend days um, and it's going to be a growing market. And from where I'm sitting across the table, it just seems like you're about to ride just a great wave of like expanding in Colorado and, you know, in other states, but also that broader niche and going green just seems like you guys are very well positioned. Yeah, there's a lot of interest there. And mm -hmm. and again, I I don't want to I want to be genuine on what we're doing. I think there's a, a lot of builders who are uh, they have good intentions, but they're kind of just checking the boxes of this is what it's like to be a green builder. I think we we have some very exciting conversations on just what does healthy living mean, right? And what is the market going to require in 3, 4, 5 years? So when you look at our build costs now, a lot of pushback from developers. It doesn't make sense to build green right now. You don't get it back in your sales price. There may be some truth to that. And the way we're building our company is we're just, we're okay with that because we know what's coming right? or, or we have a hypothesis of what yep. is coming. Right. So, 
So can you kind of lay out, um, and I, I, I'm not sure what you can give away public and what you can't. So I've had you know some great conversations with you and Nathan over coffee, but like, what, what is the general expansion plan? Because you, in my eyes, it is, is aggressive and I love it. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll start with currently where we're at. I could share some numbers on where we're at. Um, so we're set to deliver about 160 homes this year. Uh, or I'm sorry, I shouldn't not deliver close 160 homes this year. So that you know, as you compare us to other uh, uh, home builders, some you know, our our identity isn't a home builder per se, but that's a good comp. Right. Um, we're, we're still honing in on our, on our identity. I'd say we're an opportunistic real estate developer, okay. residential real estate developer, but, uh, number of closings per year is a helpful metric. So in 2024, we should close about that. Um, we're set to deliver, uh, 270, 275 deliveries this year, meaning we're starting, uh, sorry, let me back up starts. We're starting 275 new units this year. Uh, our deliveries number is is close to that 160. That's the, our d- closed in, and and by delivery you mean finished product exactly with the CO okay. exactly yeah. So uh, my vernacular there got a little mixed up. Um, uh, in addition to that, we want to put 350 new units of acquisitions in our pipeline. And currently, our product type is anywhere from like we're, we're building four single family lots in Berthoud. We're doing a couple of duplexes in Denver Metro. We have a number of 10, 20, 20 unit townhome product uh, projects. We have uh, our largest project right now that's breaking ground uh, is uh, 53 uh, units, unit townhome project in Aurora. So that's currently our largest project. Um, We're trending towards trying to do out of the 350 new units that we're doing, we would like ideally like to do those in 10 or less projects. So trending towards doing larger projects. Is that just for economies of scale? Uh, partially, yes. I think there's a need that we th- we believe that there's a need for that product type in the marketplace. Uh, but back to my point about us being flexible and agile, we still will do smaller projects. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but I, I think as we laid out our goals for 2024, that was... Uh, we felt that was achievable. Um, we're throughout the Denver Metro, uh, as you know, um, we, we've expanded into Berthoud. We're looking, we, we did a project in Leadville recently, which I think you're, you, you're aware of. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, we will continue going up north and we're looking at Colorado Springs a bit, Douglas County. We're not doing anything yet, but we, we likely will this year, uh, for, expansion plans beyond 2024 which i could just touch on briefly we'd likely open up a new state next year so we will identify that state this year and then start acquiring next year and so with that i I think you just partially answered my question so as you kind of scale out a state um have you found it easier to go out there and acquire a company versus kind of start from zero like to me that's where it just it's out of my reality i've ever done before yeah so uh this is part of the new market like the new market playbook that i'll be rolling out so right now i'm deep in the weeds as the ceo which is exactly where i should be my sweet spot will be when we get into expansion mode um two routes that i like to explore there on opening up new markets one 
uh, is there a, a builder in the market that we could do a joint venture with who already has infrastructure, who already knows the market really well, who may be considering succession planning. Uh, it, it allows us to get into the market uh, with experts on the ground. Yeah. Um, so that's one route. The other route is what you just alluded to is potentially acquiring another builder uh, in the marketplace who already has a land position that we could tap into. Um, and then the third route actually that is just uh, a bit more bootstrapped is go parachute in, understand the marketplace and do uh, uh, start from, from ground zero. Are those in your order of like preference? I mean, I, you've expanded in the past. Is that kind of like your your preferred order? In this case, yes. Okay. Yeah, in this case. Uh, and, and we could run two of those parallel. We can say, hey, we're going to go into Arizona and Texas and we're going to do boots on the ground to start organically in one market and then the other market do a joint venture. So we're, we're exploring those options. I don't want to latch on to any of them yet because uh, I'm still very much focused on nailing what we have here. So is it correct to assume kind of like, you know, 2024, it's mainly just kind of really making sure of a, a very solid foundation before you start adding more stories to the business? Yeah. So we've started to bring in new folks in the organization. Um, uh, I was fortunate to, we have a great team at place at, at Red Tea. Uh, Nathan and the executive team did a really good job of uh, building a good infrastructure there. Uh, I have started to bring in a couple new folks. Uh, we, we brought on a couple, uh, a new COO, a new CFO. Um, we added a position of vice president of construction. So um, that was a big role for us. Uh, he actually starts next week. Um, so congratulations. Yeah. So we're, we're starting to, you know, the, the infrastructure was there. Um, we have, as I had mentioned, we had a lot of starts this year. So we're starting a, a, a number of new projects this year. And so I need to add the personnel to really, uh, position us here in Colorado for success. So with the personnel and, you know, one of the things I've learned, um, is that, you know, just the, the caliber of the person is so important, whether, you know, you're investing with a person or hiring or working with a team. Um, you know, I, you know, I've really gotten to know you and Paul and Nathan the last year, you know, very high caliber people. And you've, you know, at a high level of shared some of these people that you're, you're bringing on board and hiring for like the BP construction, the CFO. And I've just had my jaw drop a couple of times. Like, I'm like, holy smokes. And like, you know, I'm like, wow, I, you know, it seems like red tea is like, you know, reaching up and pulling some of very high caliber people down. That sounds poor, but you're just getting some top quality people from like very great companies and top industries and like pulling them in your ecosystem. Um, is that a correct assumption? Yeah. And yeah, you're doing that obviously on purpose. Like, yeah. And I think it should speak to the opportunity, right. That, that we have as, as our, as a company, um, there's an attraction. So I, I, I was pulled into red tea. I, I will say pulled into and not pulled down. I think you, that that's, a, that's you, a pulled, you, the, yeah, the pull, tractor beam yeah. pulled you in. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and part of that is, you know, there's an excitement of the stage of company that we're at. Uh, the opportunity ahead. We're not a Richmond. We're not a you know a, a publicly traded home builder. We have opportunities to to grow up into. We, we will grow up into a new level of uh, evolving the company. Right. That's that's where the the allure to me is the scale. That's kind of what where where I've 
I've thrived the most is there is something that we built now scaling that to the next level. The folks that have been attracted to us, we have been pulling in some folks from the production world and their allure is they've said, Vince, Hey, I love your vision. I love the team's vision. I love that there's not a, uh, a corporate infrastructure that is bureaucratic and, uh, doesn't enable me to thrive in a creative nature, right? And uh, uh, in, in add value, meaningful value. Yeah. And for us, as I look at the personnel that we're bringing on, um, we need some production home building experience. You know, there, there's value there, right? At, at scale. And so, <clears throat> what the what the pull is now internally will be, well, who are we? Right. Are we a production builder? Are we uh, uh, just a real estate developer that's doing small projects and large projects? And that's what excites me, right? Because we're going to have to build infrastructure to do both. Uh, and I tell the team all the time, we don't need to look for an identity outside of our walls, right? Mm. There's there's always a, a pull of like, well, who are we like? Right? You always want to latch on to, oh, we're like this person. Or we're like, we're not doing that internally. We are red tea. Right. That's who we are. That's our identity. And so that's something that, you know, as CEO and uh, uh, that I need to continue to cast that vision on the uh, with the company in collaboration with everyone in the company. Right. Uh, one of my final questions for you here, Vince, is, I mean, as you're, you know, I think, I think from my perspective, quarter four of last year, quarter one this year, you're, I know you're bringing on a lot of like just, you know, A plus players all across the board from leadership to just, you know, specialists across the, 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 the team and, you know, new people creates new opportunities. It also takes time for the team cohesion to build. Mm-hmm. How long does it generally take for like the team to start gelling as you're bringing in like, you know, new people, new leadership? It's happening. It's already happening. So, uh, you know, I, uh, something that I lean into, uh, at the company is a a concept Kaizen. I'm not sure for sure if you're familiar. I've heard of it, but I, I can't think of the definition. Can you refresh me? Yeah, I won't, I won't go real deep there, but it, the, the concept is slow incremental growth, right? It was adopted in manufacturing. Uh, I think Toyota was the, the company that initially adopted it way back in the day it's also a concept in jujitsu and muay thai slow incremental growth when you're in the weeds it's really hard to zoom out sometimes and see that you are progressing uh and, and i say this from not only an operational standpoint but from a cultural cohesion standpoint uh it's been pretty enriching for me to see the teams and the barriers that once existed because we do we are fully integrated uh, through we have architecture and house development services, construction, sales and marketing acquisitions. I, I, when I came in, there was barriers between those, those departments, um, unintentional barriers. Mm-hmm. Just as you grow, then you get siloed in your department. Just in the short six months that I've been there, I've seen a tremendous breakdown of barriers where there's more cohesion between the departments. Uh, and that, that speaks to a there's there's really good there we have a really good team in place uh that was existing that i did i didn't create I, I was fortunate to walk into uh and b sometimes people just need a little more clarity right and as we scale we'll we're gonna experience this multiple times if we acquire another company you're gonna acquire a uh, different culture right and people are just gonna be looking for clarity uh and so i think that the team has started to 
have more clarity in not only what, how their department adds to our vision, but how they can work together to accomplish the same goal. We're not, we're all on the same team, right? So I've already, to, to answer your question, I've seen that happen just in the short seven months, six, seven months that I've been there. Well, congratulations again. This is cool. So like I said, I, uh, I want to bring you back on, on the podcast here at some regular cadence. Cause I, I love hearing these updates, especially on like, you know, the business growth side, which, you know, since I, I invest in Red Sea deals and we'll be doing some more deals together, help, you know, fund some capital for some, the pipeline you have coming up here. Like it excites me as investors, like, wow, there's the deal, you know, hey, the numbers and the, and the piece of dirt, but then there's the people running the deal and they're both equally important. You mm -hmm. know, if you have a bad deal, uh, have a great team, or if you have a great deal, but a, a bad team in place that causes issues. So. I'm excited to uh, get to know you more, bring more of the content and the deals to your audience. I know upcoming, we've got uh, some educational webinars on developing. Uh, we have one coming up very soon, actually probably before this podcast release on actually an equity raise that you're doing for the business itself, which will be exciting to dig into. And also just a bunch of really cool development deals. So Vince, I know you're busy. I uh, I chat with you. I know your calendar with uh, you know all the stuff you're doing. So thank you for carving out time, and I'm excited to uh, have you and more of the Red T team back on the future. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it, and excited to continue this cadence and um, have you all see our our slow incremental growth over the years to come. Oh, I'm I'm taking notes. Um, anyone out there, if you guys have questions, you want to get connected to to Red Tea for investments for the developer incubation program, whatever it is, uh, reach out to me. I'm happy to play connector. Uh, but I really respect Red Tea and what they do and how they operate. And also, I think the culture is also they're very just you guys share uh, because by sharing it leads to deals. So thanks so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm.